Welcome back to another episode of the Expand Your Awareness podcast. My name is Aaron Dowdy, who I am the host of the podcast, and I want to thank you for being here and let you know that today's episode is solo, which means it's just me. I'm going solo dolo right now, and what I wanted to do is uh, I'm going to be speaking about that of what is called emotional mastery. I think that a big part of the process of us creating what we want in our life has to do with emotions. And when we learn how to tailor our emotions in the right direction or just how to embody the emotions that we want now, we can then start to create what we want in a powerful way. Because the thing is, is the outer reflection of what we experience in our life is an internal reflection of our vibration. And part of our vibration has to do with that of our emotion. So whatever we feel is part of what we are vibrating at. That is like the, it sounds maybe kind of like a woo-woo type idea, but the truth of the matter is what physics shows is that everything in life is vibration. So when we start to understand that, we can then say, okay, how can I tailor my emotions in the direction that I want to really create something powerful in my life. And here's the coolest thing about the whole entire process. This is something that I've definitely been learning as much as I can about. I've been learning how to embody the emotions that I want in the present moment. But the emotions that we would feel in the ideal reality that we want to experience, so for example, for me, that would be me traveling the world. It would be me speaking in front of large groups of people. It would be me going to restaurants and networking with other people that think similarly. All of these things, all of the emotions I would feel in those ideal realities, the cool thing is, is I can feel those emotions right now in the present moment if I simply decide that that's what I'm going to do. It really is that simple. It's about the choice and the understanding of how to align to that version of me knowing that the emotions I feel in that ideal reality is something that exists within me right now. It's just normally what we do is we delay that gratification. So normally it's like, yo, here I am right now. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm doing this podcast. I'm not making the $1 million a month right now. I'm not traveling the world right at this exact moment. I'm not doing all of these things right now. But guess what? Those emotions I would feel then, the emotions exist within me. It's something I can choose to feel If I simply focus on the gratitude I can have for things already in my life of what I want to feel. So that's something I think is just really powerful. Just first off, it's like it's like when you first off just realize that you can feel the emotions, you already start to take your power back because then there's no externalization of power. It's not like, oh, when I get there, then I can feel this. It's like, no, I got the emotions right now in my body. I can feel those right now if I choose to. And that's kind of what I wanted to do in today's episode is I want to talk all about understanding emotional mastery, all about how we can feel the emotions that we want right now, and how as we start to do that, we start to literally embody that version of us right now in the present moment, which is all that exists. The present moment right here, right now, that's all that exists because even by the time we think the future gets here, it's still going to be right now. And even when we imagine the past, when do we imagine the past? Right now. That in of itself is like mind-blowing to really 
comprehend that idea because then we see that the only time we externalize our emotions or externalize our power is when we're deve- we're starting to ingrain ourselves in that of time. I remember when I first read the book called The Power of Now, I started to become more present to the moment. I was walking around. I, f- I felt like a superhero. I was walking around like, whoa, I'm really present right now. And then, of course, the moment you say, oh, yo, I'm really present right now, the moment you don't become present because then you start to identify with your thoughts and you start to think that you're really cool because you're present and nobody else is that present. So it's a funny kind of paradox, but the truth of the matter is this moment that exists right now is the only moment that does exist. It's just that we view things from a different point of view. And as we view things from a different point of view, we start to uh, see the contrast. We start to see how... We are feeling how we are relating to the world. We start to see these things. So in order to understand emotions, another thing I want to explain is vibration. Because when we are feeling in a higher vibrational state of being, that's when our life begins to change in a very powerful way. So there are certain motions that exist in certain vibrations. Now, I used to, before I learned, I'd say first off, meditation so powerful, so powerful to learn to meditate. I learned meditation back in 2012. I know I've, I've said it, I've talked about this story a lot, but when I started to meditate, it changed everything about how I felt. Like literally my emotions upgraded to a new level. I started looking around. I'm like, whoa, this feels very different. And I thought the feeling was going to go away. I remember the only thing I can really relate it to is uh, I read the book, The Power of Now. And in the beginning, he talks about his enlightenment experience. And first off, I am not saying I'm enlightened. Definitely not enlightened. Um, my ego would love to be enlightened, by the way. I know it. But uh, yeah, definitely not there. Uh, but w- what I can relate to is the feeling that he had that he thought was going to kind of go away. And it never really really went away when he, he was like at a park bench. Or no, he wasn't at a park bench. He was uh, in his room. He was feeling really depressed. And he went to bed. And he went into this void. Eckhart Tolle went into this void. And in this void is when he started to... Uh, perceive and he just woke up and when he woke up he woke up with these new eyes he looked around and he saw like everything around him was like different he looked around and saw the colors he looked through the window and saw like the trees were just so much more alive than he ever noticed before it was like he was seen with new eyes and it was like he's seen the same things he's always saw but in a completely new light and it felt like everything was new and fresh and from then he was like you know what I don't need this whole 3D experience. He went over to a park bench. He sat down at a park bench and was like, I'm going to sit here for like two years. And he sat at a park bench for like two whole years. And that's, I guess, enlightenment. So if you want to become enlightened, just go sit at a park bench for two years and, you know, act as if. I'm just kidding. Don't go do that. Um, I don't even, I'm just, that's what he did. And I remember reading that and then, Months later, I kind of had an experience where I started to feel completely different because I was in meditation and I started to, uh, I was paying attention to my thoughts. And at first I feel a lot of resistance because I'm like, yo, I can't be thinking all these thoughts. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to block out my mind and I'm supposed to control my thoughts. And if I think bad thoughts, guess what? I'm going to manifest bad things because I just learned about the secret. And in the secret, it talks about how you got to control your own thoughts and put it in the the direction of uh, positivity because then you attract better things and if I think negative thoughts I'm going to attract the opposite of what I want so I almost started creating resistance because I'm like I can't think negative thoughts but of course if you focus on not thinking negative thoughts guess what you think more negative thoughts so I started to feel resistance but the game changer was I learned how to observe my thoughts rather than 
tried to control them. And that was a game changer. So as I did that, guess what else happened? I started to become aware of the beliefs that I had that were no longer serving me. And the beliefs that I had were controlling my life experience. I realized that my beliefs were creating my reality. I had belief that you have, Aaron, you have ADHD. You were told that at a doctor's office. You can't really focus. You're always like all over the place, like with energy. I was like, but back in the day, I went into, I worked at a Nordstrom's and I would go into Nordstrom's and I was selling women's shoes there. And I was like 21 years old. Uh, I was younger, but I was making good money because I was that age making like 30 bucks an hour, which is really cool. But I realized the more energy I had, the better I did. So I just, I was kept, it was cool because I could express myself and I would like kind of go around and mess with people. I was just really loud. I was known, I was kind of known for being like that. I was always goofing around and kind of like saying funny things to customers and stuff. And my energy was just really like out there. And uh, yeah, that was kind of how I was. And I would walk around and kind of be a certain way. But I realized that uh, I eventually took Adderall, which is the prescription drug that they give for ADHD. So it kind of focused my energy. So I noticed I'd make so much more money when I took it because what Adderall does is it makes you release more dopamine. And dopamine is like what makes you feel focused. So I'd get focused and I would make like a whole bunch of money because I'd be so focused on taking customers. I'd have four customers at a time. I'd be selling a whole bunch to them and I would make a lot of money. So I was like, okay, cool. So I took this, but I, w I believed that I just had ADHD because I had a lot of energy. I believed that I needed to do certain things, you know, like I needed to, uh, I needed to take Adderall. I drank, I would go into work and I would drink two to four shots of espresso because espresso when you have ADHD actually makes you calm down. That's in that weird. I would take two shots of espresso or four shots. Actually, I'll be honest. It was four shots. And at the time I had a buddy that used to live down the street from me. His dad was a, uh, the VP of Red Bull. So I used to get, I'd have like a case of Red Bull in my trunk at all times. Cause I would just, he'd just give them to me. He'd give me like the Red Bull that like the sugar-free Red Bull that tasted like really flat because it was in his garage for like three years. And I would, dr I'd bring like two of those to work today. I drink like two to four shots of espresso and I would take Adderall every day. It was not healthy at all, but guess what? I'd focus like crazy and I'd make a lot of money. So I associated pleasure with making a lot of money and I would do that. And that's what I did for a long time. But then eventually I was like, yo, the side effects aren't good. I'm crashing. First off, drinking that much caffeine, I'm crashing. And not only that, I was taking Adderall and Adderall, the side effects of it, as you know, I was legally prescribed it first off, you know, a doctor prescribed it to me and, uh, I took Adderall and the side effects are you don't eat very much and you don't sleep very much. So it's like your appetite suppressed because I was, uh, so I was losing weight and I wasn't sleeping that well at night. I'd go to bed and try to sleep and it'd be hard for me to fall asleep. So eventually I was like, yo, I need to find out something else. So that's when I learned meditation and under meditation, um, I, there's a black and white science. Like that's what's, uh, uh, that's something else that's crazy to me. What really blew my mind is after reading everything that there is about there about meditation and just how beneficial it is that it's not actually taught in schools because it's so beneficial. Like there's black and white. You will, it's, it just proves that you will reduce the amount of cortisol that you are releasing in your body, which is the stress hormone. You'll increase the dopamine and the serotonin, which are the happy chemicals, the things that help you focus and to feel happy. It's scientifically proven, and it was something that just to me blew my mind that it's not taught in schools. So I just – first off, yeah, I guess that was kind of like a side note, but I just couldn't figure that out. Uh, but then I learned – I was like, okay, I'm going to learn this meditation. There's black and white science to it. And I go home and I learn it and I feel resistance and I feel resistance because I'm trying to control my mind and my mind is not calming down. I'm like, 
just like, why am I thinking all these negative thoughts? And then I'm like, oh, my thoughts create my reality. I better not think those negative thoughts created more resistance. But then the game changer happened. The game changer was the observation of the thoughts. So I started to observe those thoughts. I was like, yo, those thoughts coming through my mind. You can be there. It's cool. It's neutral. I wasn't giving it excess meaning. I was just looking at the thoughts, allowing them to be there. And you know, I want to know the biggest paradox in the world. You want to know the biggest paradox ever is by letting the thoughts be there, by observing them and not trying to control them. You're not feeling resistance. The thoughts go away naturally. They go away. So what happened was, is I just started to observe them and I started to feel so much different. That's what elevated my vibrational set point is in that observation. I let go of all the stories I was telling myself because as thoughts would come into my mind, I would observe them as beliefs would come up. I would observe those beliefs. I became aware that I had beliefs that were telling me that I needed to take Adderall to cure my ADHD. I had beliefs that were telling me that I was a certain way. I had too much energy and I should feel ashamed for it. I had thoughts that told me I wasn't whole and complete because I went through and I had beliefs about that because I had a very rough childhood, like a lot of people. And I'm not saying this for you to feel pity for me or anything, because I know that most people went through a messed up childhood. But I had like these experiences where I had an ex stepmom that was physically and emotionally abusive. Uh, she was a sociopath or is a sociopath. I'm not judging her. It's just discernment because I see my sister. My sister is going through the same thing right now, and it's sad because she, my sister, that's her biological mom, so she can't really get out of that. So I feel bad for her, and I try to help her as much as I can because I've been through it. There's only so much I can do because the courts and all of that. Like my dad's trying to get full custody of her, but it's kind of hard for uh, him to do because the the courts tend to favor. Uh, you know, they don't. It's very hard to take a child from the mom, even if the mom is a sociopath, because sociopaths are really good at, uh, at covering up things too. But, um, I went through a lot of pain with her because she would hide a lot of things. And like, I, I didn't have a normal childhood. Um, I wasn't able to just watch. I wasn't able to watch TV when I was younger. I wasn't able to have friends when I was between the ages of seven to 15 because my dad divorced her when uh, I was about 15. And then I had all this freedom and I could have friends and do normal things again. But before that, I was working outside about nine, 10 hours a day. I had to earn it to go to a school activity if I wanted to go to band or if I wanted to go to debate. Um, this is a very different childhood. She was just physically and emotionally abusive. My dad was a firefighter, so he was gone uh, 24 hours a day every other day. So he wasn't around as much. So it was like she just got away with everything, you know. It was just this weird thing. And I felt a lot of resistance for years. Like I said, I'm not saying this. I'm totally over it. I'm Actually, as weird as it sounds, that was a really good thing that happened to me because, um, because that created pressure for me to realize these things about myself. And that created pressure for me to go through my spiritual awakening. But I'm very grateful because my real, you know, my real mom is very supportive. She's the exact opposite. But for years, I wasn't able to see my mom because my ex-stepmom was so crazy that she turned me against my actual mom. So for years, I didn't see her. But then, of course, 15 comes around. My dad divorces her. I'm able to have a relationship with my mom again, my real mom, who is amazing, who, you know, she's been really supportive. My mom is actually the one that introduced me to the movie The Secret. I remember I was 15 years old. And uh, no, I was 15, 16 years old. So shortly after divorce, maybe I was 17. I don't even remember really exactly. But I remember the house we were, uh, my mom was living in at the time. Um, and I was in there where I was playing. I had like friends coming over to play poker or something. She's like, Aaron, come into this room um, or come, come into my room and watch, just watch part of this movie. 
and it was the movie The Secret. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, I want to just chill with my friends. I don't want to watch some documentary movie or whatever. But I go in there, and they she puts on the movie The Secret, and I start watching it. And there was just something about it that kept me captivated. I just, I it was like, a, it just, it's, it planted a seed. And from that moment going forward, it planted a seed that ended up five or six years later really changing my life in a powerful way. So I'm very grateful to my mom. I love my mom very much. Um, she's definitely been somebody that like has always been there and kind of shown me, uh, or, you know, she's always been there and very supportive because I went through a spiritual awakening and stuff as well. The spiritual awakening changed everything about me. And when a lot of like friends and family thought that I went nuts, she was always there to kind of help me on, you know, she was there and she was supportive and she knew that I wasn't crazy because she knew that what I was saying was something that was real. Um, I was just basically what I was saying is like when I went through my spiritual awakening, imagine you go from this dude with ADHD or, you, you know, you, you go from somebody that has ADHD and you go from someone that can't really focus. And it's just like a, I was like a party animal kind of in a way like I was just always had friends over, always partying, um, drinking and stuff like that. And all of a sudden I give all of that up and I'm talking about meditation Talking about become present to the moment. And it my all energy changed. I remember I went back to work after all of that, after I learned meditation. My energy just started to change completely. My emotions changed. I started to become more grounded. And people were like, yo, this is so this Aaron is so different. What happened to the other Aaron? And really, I was just letting go of things that no longer served with my awareness that expanded. And a lot of friends thought I went crazy. A lot of uh, other family members thought I went crazy, but my mom was always kind of there as like support, and you know, and now, of course, um, yeah, I mean, a lot's changed since then, but that was something I definitely went through. So I'm grateful. I guess the point is, is I'm grateful to my real mom, but my stepmom um, was somebody that, you know, I, I went through a lot of pain with that. So I learned a lot from that. So I guess maybe another reason I'm saying that is to encourage you that you may go through a lot of pain in your childhood or your experiences, but be grateful because that may have caused pressure for you. And that pressure may have been something that allowed you to, uh, to then go within more to become a better version of you, you know? So I, I know it sounds, but you can turn any negative situation into a positive situation. And through the way you look at the situation or through the way you integrate it, that will determine whether you get a positive or negative benefit out of it. And I just realized that I could give that a positive benefit or a, a positive meaning. And out of the positive meaning came that. Now, of course, it was very negative situations. It was things I didn't prefer to feel. But I had that contrast, which is nice. You know, I have a mom that's very supportive. I had a stepmom that was not supportive and actually caused a lot of pain. But out of that, I transformed my own emotions because I had to deal with that emotion that I was kind of not feeling for the longest time. Like those emotions that I felt when I was younger, those emotions that I felt um, between the age of about 7 to 15 of feeling not worthy, not good enough, all of those things, I was able to bring those to the forefront and to observe them and observe them when I learned meditation and then decide to let them go. And that was the key is letting go of those things that no longer serve and observing them. And in the observation, you become aware of the subconscious. You literally bring the subconscious into the conscience, and then you can decide to change it. And that, for me, was one of the biggest game changers in my whole life because then I became aware of how I can integrate these kind of experiences in a more positive way. So that's something that will help you raise your own emotional set point, your vibrational set point. Think of emotions and vibrations in very similar ways because as you become more aware of your emotions, you become also aware of your vibration. If you're feeling positive emotion, you will start to feel and realize that your vibration is raising. Now, 
let's first off also reframe positive and negative. Normally, we think of positive, we think of things that are good. When we think of negative, we think of things that are bad. Let's redefine what positive and negative mean means. Instead of positive and negative being good or bad, think of positive as integrative and negative as separating or segregative. Now, what this does is this allows you to see how even negative experiences in your life, you can integrate them. And as you integrate them, you transform them into positive. So start to think of that and that. Does something bring you closer to who you are? Because integrative is connective. Positive is connective. Negative is disconnective. Negative is segregative. As you start to redefine it, I promise you, your life will change in very powerful ways because then you see these negative situations that are happening in your life. You can integrate them, and in that integration, it becomes something that is much more positive and positive in the, in the way that you start to give it positive meaning because remember, everything in your life is neutral. It's only the meaning that you give it that determines the effect you get out of it. So that's something that's also very powerful. But back to my story, kind of I was talking about, uh, yeah, so I worked at Nordstrom's. I went through my spiritual awakening. Everything kind of changed. Um, a lot of people thought that I went kind of crazy because I literally went from this party animal, loud dude. I mean, I would like walk around to the sales floor and just kind of like say random things to customers. I would like, that was like, I think that was when Jersey Shore, remember that show Jersey Shore? I would go around going, oh yeah, I would say that to like everybody because that show was just so big. Uh, and I would just kind of say that uh, randomly to people, just mess with people. I would talk like I had an Italian accent. Um, I would just, I was just kind of off the walls. And then all of a sudden I go into work and I'm just like this very, you know, I still had a lot of energy. There's no doubt about that, but it was much more grounded and I was much more just focused and I had much more Zen type attitude and people just thought, people thought I was on drugs and I wasn't on anything. I was on nothing at all. I was just completely like, I started to feel completely differently. But I, I remember that when I first went through that feeling, my feelings started to change when I started to observe my thoughts. I remember walking around my room and I was like, I hope this feeling does not go away. I just felt, I felt like I was like on ecstasy or something. I just felt so good and I, the, I was on nothing at all. And from that point going forward, I, within two weeks, got rid of Adderall completely, never took it again, never needed it again, because all I had to do was meditate for 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night. And since 2012, that is what I've done. I meditate 10 minutes in the morning right when I wake up and 10 minutes before I go to bed every single day, no matter what. I know there's times I, uh, there's times I'll go to on hotels, I'll be traveling, times I'm at the airport, and I will still find ways to meditate because meditation to me is that important because I know that if I do it, it really elevates my set point, how I feel. I'm not as reactive because think about how that relates to the rest of your day. If you're observing your thoughts for the first five or ten minutes in the day and then what happens is you go throughout your day and something happens. Maybe your boss comes up to you and is like, yo, you forgot to do X, Y, Z, and you're like, oh, you're like just more of observe what he says. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go do X, Y, Z. But instead you're not like triggered and be like, well, you didn't do this when you didn't tell me to do this or you didn't recognize, you didn't tell me that I had to be done by this amount of time or you don't react. You're like more Zen, Zen, uh, like a mind ninja or something. You're just much more aware and it makes you so that you then observe those things and you don't emotionally react to it. So the way that you control your emotions is by observing them. And in that observation is when you decide and you can then choose to feel what you want because emotions from a certain point of awareness can be a choice because you choose the meanings 
that you give certain things in your life. I like how I said that. Meanings. You give meaning to certain things in your life, the meaning that you choose. So that's something that changes the whole game. So, yeah, I was walking around. I was like, oh, is this feeling going to change? I hope it doesn't go away. It never went away. But I started, okay, if I've, I've explained the scale before, but on a scale of 1 to 10, I normally felt at like a 3 to a 5. 5 was like, oh, I'm feeling fantastic if I felt a 5. And then I, I learned meditation. I started to learn the, the beliefs that I had that was creating my reality. I started to observe them. And my, ele- my state, my vibration began to raise to about a 7 or an 8 out of 10. And what happened is then at a 7 or an 8 out of 10, I started to feel so good. I felt like I was in ecstasy all the time because 7 or 8 in comparison to the 3 to the 5 out of 10, of 10 feeling amazing and 1 feeling not so great, I just started feeling so good. I was like, oh, I hope this feeling doesn't go away. And it never did. It just became my natural set point. So 7 to 10 became my natural set point. And the way I related to that power of now is because he said that it's not that the feeling goes away. Not that I'm enlightened. I'm not saying I'm enlightened. Let me just clarify that. But the feeling just becomes your natural set point. So you become less, it's less crazy cool to you. So now I feel that good a majority of the time. And uh, what I've also realized is that scale that I used to have, there's actually, that scale to me is like kind of been thrown out the door and there's actually like a 15 or a 20 out of 10. And I didn't realize that because now I'm starting to expand my own awareness even more to an even more expanded state to where I realize there's emotions that I haven't even really understood because there's even more integration into who I really am. And there's ways I can learn to feel those emotions. So it's about, I guess that's that awareness that the emotions that we feel are a certain range from where our current level of consciousness is. And it's not like I'm better than you because I feel seven out of 10 and you feel less. What I'm saying is I'm saying this as encouragement because I've been through the different emotions just like you have, and you may peak at certain emotions, but by you observing your thoughts and not reacting to the lower emotions, when you let go of the lower emotions, I had lower emotions such as guilt and anger because of my ex-stepmom, and those kept me in the lower emotions, but then I learned how to observe my thoughts, to let them go. And as I let go of those lower emotions, I shot up to more of my natural set point. And think of your natural set point as when you're doing what you're passionate about, when you're studying things that you love. You know, back in the day, maybe even when I raised my vibrational set point like I'm talking about, I wasn't necessarily making YouTube videos and living doing what I'm passionate about like I do today, like I get up every day doing what I love. It's a totally different level. But back in the day, I was at least studying things I love. So I was studying a lot of the information that I learned that I now teach. I spent four or five years just learning as much as I could. I would read books. I read a lot of Bashar. I listened to his seminars. I read a lot of Tony Robbins, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I was watching. I remember I used to, before I go to work every morning, I would get up, I'd eat my breakfast, and I would watch Napoleon Hill. He's like this old video of him in black and white, and he's like talking about the master keys to success, and he's got like this, you know, it's like an old school video, and I just watched that over and over and over again, but it started to prime my mind for knowing that my thoughts create my reality, and those were certain things that I did that allowed me to plant seeds to start to reprogram my mind. But I started, I enjoyed learning all of that. And as I was learning all of that, it started to bring me closer to the alignment of who I naturally am of that alignment of what you could call it my higher self, because that's what I love to be doing. So start to align with what you love to do and your natural vibrational set point will begin to raise and you'll start to feel the more elevated emotions. So it comes from that awareness. It comes from that awareness of how you feel and the emotions that you are choosing to feel in the present moment. So 
I'd have to say that that's what really changed my life the most in regards to that. And ever since then, it's been just an elevated thing that just keeps getting better and better. Like when I think that I'm doing what I love and it's like it just couldn't get any better, it normally does. Because then I go travel somewhere, I'm like, holy shit, now I feel even better. And then I go travel and I have the freedom to go eat where I want to do, you know, eat and stuff like that. Or I went to Costa Rica a couple months ago. I go back to Costa Rica in November, by the way. Um, I go to a place called Rhythmia, which is a really cool place uh, where it's like all about transformation and stuff like that. And I was hesitant to go last November, but I went with my buddy Victor Odo, who a lot of you guys know, and I went there and it really, that's honestly, that was one of the things that made me realize that there is a 15 out of 10, out of, you know that scale I'm talking about, the vibrational scale of one out of 10, I raised my vibration from being at a three to five to being at a seven or an eight. I went to Rhythmia, had some, I did this breath work, did some uh, plant medicine, um, which was called ayahuasca. And uh, yeah, I was actually, I was kind of reluctant to tell YouTube, people on YouTube, you know, people that follow me on YouTube that, but you know what? I realized I represent expanding awareness. I do not do any drugs whatsoever. I like, I don't even smoke weed. Not that there's anything bad with it at all. Let me make that clear. I'm not saying that weed is bad. I'm just saying I don't drink alcohol. I don't do caffeine. I don't do any of this stuff. I'm very like mindful of what I do because I feel so good majority of the time. But I did choose to do ayahuasca when I went to Rhythmia because, uh, well, first off, there's it's there's like doctors there. Like it's the only place in the world where it's licensed with doctors that are on hand while you're going through the experience. And I knew, okay, so you know that vibrational state of uh, consciousness chart that I show in some of my videos. If you don't know, there's this book called Power Versus Force. And in the book called Power Versus Force, there is different uh, vibrations that calibrate at different frequencies. So the lower emotions are like shame, fear, guilt, anger. Anger is a little bit higher than those emotions because anger, you start to take your power back. That resonates at like 200 and below. Then you eventually get to willingness, which you could think of like the solar plexus. That resonates at like 250 or 300. Then eventually you get to neutrality. Neutrality is like where the game can change because neutrality is when you learn how to observe your thoughts, kind of like what I'm talking about here. And when you observe your thoughts, you start to take your power back in a very powerful way. And from there, you then move into more of love, you move into peace, and then eventually enlightenment's like seven to hundred to a thousand. So three to five hundred is more so where um, I am the majority of the time. I'm actually between four. I calibrate between four and five hundred. Now this isn't like I'm better than anybody, but four to five hundred is the intellectual stuff. It's when you're aware that you create your own reality. It's the quantum physics is four to five hundred. Einstein calibrated at four ninety nine because he was right at the peak of intellectual as far as it could go. He wasn't completely. He knew love existed, but he wasn't completely embodying that level of love consciousness. He was right there, though. And then you get other people like Gandhi. You get certain enlightened people that existed above 500. 500 and above is unconditional love. Unconditional love is a whole new state of consciousness. It's where I think the evolution of humanity is going over the course of this lifetime. We're moving more and more into that 500 range. And I believe that's something that's going to be happening. But nonetheless, that book changed my life. So first off, if you haven't read the book Power Versus Force, it's such a powerful book. But nonetheless, this scale, I'm telling you, there's a reason I'm explaining it. Um, I exist probably normally between four and 500. So what I do is I teach on my YouTube channel tools, techniques, different ways to elevate the consciousness of the people that watch it to about four to 500. 
And now I'm starting to move more into 500, which is more like instant manifestation, understanding that you can embody the emotions you want right now. And I'm trying to do that by leading by example and just kind of sharing my energy in that way. And once again, don't think of this as a hierarchy, like where do, am I at 300 because I'm feeling negative emotions. That's why when you let go of the negative emotions, you naturally raise up because that is your natural set point. That is who you really are. So that's something that uh, that is that I found very powerful. But nonetheless, so what I what I remember reading in the book and I read somewhere else is ayahuasca. The plant medicine, which ayahuasca is made from a vine, and it's like some, it's it's completely natural. They've used it for thousands of years. There's shaman that have been administering it, and uh, it's something that I read, and it's calibrates at over 500. So ayahuasca resonates at over 550 or something like that, and that I found very interesting. So I'm like, oh, it resonates that high. I mean, that's the that's like unconditional love. So what ayahuasca does is ayahuasca is like a plant medicine. Um, and ayahuasca, in a way, is a consciousness of itself that you begin to connect to. You could think of it as mother ayahuasca is what a lot of people call it. But it resonates at about 550. And 550 is like unconditional love. Now, you may have heard of some stories of people that take ayahuasca. And when they take it, sometimes a lot of the subconscious mind, the negative experiences get brought to the forefront. And like, well, why would it, you have to go through like a dark night of the soul or feel those negative emotions? Well, what happens is... In order to feel that love frequency, that 500, what happens is you bring up all the things that you may have carried around from childhood. You bring up all of those things. It gets brought into your forefront, into in front of you, so that you can choose to let it go. And when you let it go, you then calibrate at that 500 of that unconditional love. So you may go through a little bit of pain in the two-hour experience or however long the experience lasts, but you start to calibrate at that 500. And that was kind of my experience. And... So I was going to this place in Rhythmia. They're like, I was like, okay, first off, I'm going to go. I don't want to be pressured or have to do ayahuasca. I want to go and I'll, t I'll document it. That was part of the experience. Like I have to put it on my YouTube channel to go. It was all of this value I was getting for free. And I went with my buddy, Victor Odo, who's also a YouTuber. You guys may know him. And he's like, I'm going to do it. So I'm like, I went and I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to do it. I'll make a decision when I get there. But when I got there, it was like the vibe was so good. I mean, there's something about the, the, the place that it's at the rhythmia, the location. There's just something about it. It's like all they put intention into everything that they do. They put intention for people to have these breakthroughs. The first night I went, I had this like transformational breath work, which totally threw me by storm. I did not expect to have that kind of experience. And it, basically, you're just breathing. You're learning how to breathe in a certain format. For an hour, you're breathing very deeply. And basically what happens is it brings up all of this stuff that's held in your cellular memory. I had a psychedelic experience with just the breath work without doing any drugs whatsoever, just by breathing very, very deeply. And by having that level of oxygen in my body, I brought up all of this ego that I had. I had this control, my hands. So I was breathing in this, uh, you're breathing on these mats in this beautiful room that's like in the middle of like trees and all of this stuff with the whole, with all the other people that were there. There were only like 35, 40 people the week that Victor and I went, which is perfect because it was like a smaller group. And the first night you go, I was waiting for Victor to get there. I go to this breath workshop with this guy. His name's Christian. He was a really cool guy. And he was the guy running it. And we start doing this certain breath work with like this music in the background. And I eventually just felt guided to ohm. So I was like an ohm. And I was doing that while I was breathing very deeply. 
And what happened is I felt my hands start to really tense up really strongly. Like my hands started to grip really tightly, almost like I was holding on to something. And I got in almost like this praying mantis type position. I'm laying on my back, but my hands kind of curl up close to my face, kind of like a praying mantis would. And I'm like clenching my hands as tight as I could. And I guess that's very common to happen too. Afterwards, we, we, had, we had like a group talk about it because everyone had – some people were crying. Some people were laughing. You know, all of this emotion comes up when you're just breathing deep. It's just oxygen. You're not doing anything. This is the first night when you just get in from the airport. You have the option to go if you get there in time. And I brought up and I realized that that control, I knew instinctively because my body went numb. My body went completely numb. I was bringing more oxygen to my body than ever before. Breathwork is very powerful if you guys have never done it. Maybe one day I'll do a retreat or something. I'll bring some people in and do something about someone that. Let me know if you guys think I should do something like that. But basically... Um, I started to feel and I knew that all of this tenseness in my hands and this I was feeling was my ego trying to control. So I had to keep surrendering in my mind. It's like I have to surrender. I have to surrender. That tenseness in my hands was the control of my ego because I've always kind of had a pretty strong ego because I've had to be so disciplined in my life. And I've had to become so disciplined because of, I guess, maybe some of the pain that I went through earlier on. I had to, like, take control of my own mind and focus it in a certain direction. So I was very disciplined. I still am very disciplined, but I've, I've learned to let go more so. And I remember that I had to let go. And afterwards, I just felt this euphoria. When I came out of that after an hour, I looked around. Everything felt brighter. Everything felt totally different. And it really changed my consciousness. Just that breath workshop, just breathing very deeply. So that was kind of trippy to me. And it was really cool. And I remember afterwards, I was talking to one of the breath uh, the breath practitioners. There were two or three of them. And it was a, a lady. She was really cool. I forget her name. Uh, but she told me, she's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little, uh, I'm going to give you a little reading of your, like your breathing, the way you breathe, there's certain patterns that people breathe in that have certain personality traits. She said, your breath, the way you breathe is you are a super achiever is what it's called. I breathe in and I use my back to breathe because I'm breathing in more oxygen than I normally need. And I'm kind of controlling my breath. So I'm like, take these deep breaths and I've always kind of taken those deep breaths I remember I had an ex-girlfriend she's like why do you breathe like that like I thought I was like huffing and puffing but I, I just breathe in a lot of that energy or a lot of a lot of that because I'm breathing more oxygen than I need because I have like this armor around my body this metaphorical like armor armor because I always felt like I need to protect myself and I need, I'm like a warrior and I'm like always going in a certain direction because I got to achieve things and I got to be successful and that creates resistance in my back. So they, she treat, she showed me how to breathe better with just using my diaphragm versus having to control my breath and control my life and how I can surrender more. So first night, already first night, if I would have left with just that first night experience, I would have been happy. I would have been totally good. I wouldn't have needed anything else. So I found that that was uh, already started to shift my consciousness. But then what happened is there was four or five other nights that I went um, okay, so I'm there from Sunday to Sunday. I'm there with Victor. I'm making videos while I'm there. Basically, there's a ceremony, an ayahuasca ceremony, every night from Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Thursday night's an all-night ceremony. So normally it goes from 8 at night, 7 or 8 at night till 1 in the morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on Thursday, it's from 10 at night till like 8 in the morning. You get up with everybody. You guys go eat breakfast afterwards. You kind of spend the night there. And... I was only going to do it once. I'm like, I'm only going to do I wasn't going to do it at all. But then I was like, I got there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it once because everyone else is doing it. I would have been the only one not doing it. But also, I just, I knew that it would have been beneficial to me. And I felt like I should do it. I just felt calling to do it. I felt guided. felt like it wasn't going to be that horrible. And I did it the first night. 
and I just I I did it. I uh, all four nights. Let me just kind of give an overview of it. All four nights, I did not uh, throw up. I did not purge. A lot of other people did purge. I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody because I didn't purge, but. I went through a spiritual awakening in 2012, and I did a lot of purging in 2012. I remember that I was letting go of a lot of, I switched up my diet quite a bit. I became much more aware of what I'm putting in my body. And as I became more aware of what I'm putting in my body, I started to already change my consciousness, or that started to change every, a lot about me. I started to let go of lower emotions. I remember I purged for a long time when I was emotionally becoming aware of my beliefs and stuff. I remember that I was purging then. That's going to sound weird. I was throwing up this yellow mucus that was in my lungs for a long time. And that yellow mucus to me, it always represented to me lower emotions. This is back in 2012. I wasn't doing any drugs, wasn't doing anything, but I was throwing up this this like mucus. And I, I just knew at the time that that mucus was negative emotion that I was carrying around for the first like 20 years of my life. So I threw up then and I threw up for like three weeks. I threw up this mucus. It wasn't food. It was like mucus that was inside my lungs. And that, uh, I let go of back in 2012 to 2014. And then I go last year in November and I go through the ayahuasca experiment experience and it was very cool. I felt very connected. The first night wasn't, it wasn't a crazy experience. The first night I felt it. Um, and basically you, you get in a circle before at seven or eight o'clock, the shaman are there. They're like four or five shaman and, uh, you have a talk and then you go and you lay down and you get ready. There's like a, you're laying on this like great white mattress with white sheets and a nice blanket and a pillow. And then you have like a bucket in case you need to throw up. And, um, like I said, I didn't throw up any of the nights, but I also eat very clean. Um, and I, I dealt with a lot of the emotional sit, uh, stuff, uh, back in the day. So I didn't have as much to deal with as maybe other people. Not that I'm better than anyone. I'm just saying. And what happened was, is then I go and um, the first you the first drink you can get the first drink and then two or three hours later they offer you the second drink. I took the first drink and I started to feel more vibrational. I started to feel more connected to my heart center and I started to like it was more of a vibrational thing for me. I'm not a very visual person in general. I'm more of a feeler, so I feel more and I, I was able to feel more connected to my heart center. I started to just become aware of my ego. The first night I just became aware that I had an ego that was trying to control things and I should learn to surrender more to the energy. It felt very loving. It felt very good to be honest with you and I, I'd go out you're allowed to go outside so I go outside in the grass with these hammocks and it's just an amazing environment and I would like swing on these hammocks looking up at the stars the stars seem so much brighter and that's what I did that was like the first night second night is the masculine night so the second night's the masculine night so every night's a different night so that's why I was like I have to do all I have to go as many times as I can because Every night's a different theme, so I feel like I'm, I'm losing out on the theme. So the first night's just an introduction, more light, and the, every night's also a different, like, straight from a different place. So one's a Colombian brew, someone's another type of brew, you know. Second night was the masculine night. That was cool as well. That night, me and Victor, or Victor and I, um, Victor and I, that night we went, I went up for, like, every round I took it because I didn't really feel it, but I just felt so good. I just felt so on top of the world. Uh, I remember afterwards, at towards the end of the night, after laying there for a long time, I went outside and Victor and I had this conversation. We had the best conversation I've ever had in my life. It was like this high vibe. I I almost felt like our higher selves were talking to each other. We were just chilling. We were laughing. Victor and I went through a lot um, of similar life experiences back in the day, and it it was just it was funny. We went through like a lot of when we went had our awakening. People thought we were crazy, and it was very similar. There's such a parallel there. And me and or Victor and I, we just had the we were just laughing and laughing and laughing. It was like the 
funniest, fun hour and a half conversation we had. We actually got in trouble for laughing so hard because um, it was funny. They when the shaman came over, it's like you guys got to be more quiet. You guys are being too loud. So we had to like we walked away a little bit further from the 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 ceremony room because it's kind of like outdoor windows and stuff. And we were just kind of we were just having such a good time. We ended up staying up hour till like two in the morning that night, just talking and having a good time. And um, and I guess somebody complained that we were being too loud. And one of the shaman, uh, her name's Candy. She's awesome. Just told that lady. She's like, just that's your. Oh, what did she tell her? She's like, just go lay down. And that's like you trying to control the moment or something. It was like it was kind of a funny thing. But we felt bad for it. We didn't want to interrupt other people's experience. So we walked away and we were having a good conversation. But it was such a high vibe conversation. The third night was the transformative night. The third night is the feminine night. And you can go figure the feminine night. That's where a lot of people have the very emotional experiences. And the third night for me was a little bit trippy. I'm not going to lie. I took it. I laid down. And at first I didn't feel much. And because the second night I took like three rounds and I didn't really feel that much, I was kind of cocky. And I went to the third night. I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to feel the first one. The first one I felt about an hour into it, it started becoming more and more intense. And I just... This is how I can describe it. Remember I was saying that I realized that on that scale of 1 out of 10, um, I realized there was more than just a 10 out of 10. Like 10 out of 10 feeling just really, really, really good. Like the best vibe you can possibly imagine. When I was on the third night and I was like ten, an hour into it, all of a sudden it hit me and I just felt more unconditional love in my heart than I have ever felt before. Now, as weird as this sounds, you would think that would be a very positive experience. And it was. It was a very positive experience, but it was tripping me out because I felt so much love in my heart center that I thought my chest was going to explode. That's how I felt. I was going out. I was walking around on grass outside trying to ground myself because it was becoming overwhelming. And I remember that I went to the front desk. Okay, first off, you're not supposed to leave this like certain area. But I wanted to write. I had some like really cool creative ideas and I wanted to write them down. So I didn't feel like waking up other people or asking people to use their notebooks. So I go to the front. I'm wearing like all white. I go to the front desk and I'm like, hey, um, I was like so happy. I just felt so good. And I go to the front and the, all the people up there were like, why is this guy up here? He's supposed to be in the ceremony. And I was just like really smiling. I was like, hey, can I get a pen and paper? They're like, yeah, they gave me the pen and paper and they were kind of weirded out that they're like, you shouldn't you should be back over there. But in the ceremony room or, you know, by the, the big ceremony room and stuff. I guess it was ballsy because one of the other guys that was there, it was his second time at Rhythmy. He's like, man, when I saw you go to the front desk, I was like, wow, that dude's ballsy because you're not supposed to leave. But I kind of, I'm kind of a rebel. So I just did that, got that, went back, got my pen and paper, was writing stuff down. And I just felt so much unconditional love. And it started to trip me out though. So I went back into the room or to the big ceremony room where everyone else is. I lay down on the mattress and I just started letting go, letting go. I realized I had to learn how to let go because I started to also realize that life is a dream, that we forget that life is a dream, but we are actually awake in higher consciousness and we're dreaming that we are separate. We're dreaming that this is not where I am. And what happens is that to me started to kind of trip me out in a positive way. Like I was feeling more unconditional love in my heart than ever before, but nonetheless, that was something that, that made me realize that on that scale of one to 10 that I normally thought there was, I actually have a... 15 out of 10 potential. And this is the crazy thing too. I have never shared this before. That 15 out of 10 that I was feeling, I was just feeling so much unconditional love. I felt an intuition and almost like a knowing that in my lifetime, that will eventually be 
my set point and that will be the set point of the consciousness of the planet at some point. So for example, over the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, the consciousness of the, ch- the planet will continue to raise and eventually our natural set point will be that high vibrational 15 out of 10 or higher that I was feeling, which is overwhelming if we were to feel it right now. That's why I believe the vibration on the planet continues to raise little by little. So that was kind of what I became aware of is that I can begin to raise my vibration and get to that 15 out of 10. So it kind of threw that whole 1 out of 10 uh, experience out the door and I realized that there's so much more to experience than I priorly thought that there was. So that's what I started to realize and that's what I started to really connect to is knowing that there's so much more out there. So that's what, okay, then that was the third night. Third night, it was so intense. It was so much unconditional love that I I kind of felt like it was too much. I kind of, my ego got scared. So the fourth night, I was like, I'm not doing it the fourth night. The fourth night's a ceremony though with like a real traditional Colombian shaman that came in and this dude had the best energy. Like I've never been somebody, I've heard people talk about enlightened people before and how their energy just affects you and how you just want to be around enlightened people. And not that I was judgmental about it, but I was like, yeah, you know, I think it's all from within or whatever. Like I didn't really understand the energy field of someone like that. But this shaman that came in was somebody that was like a generational, like his dads were shamans, his grandpas were shaman. He's a shaman. He's been a shaman since he was real young. And he was like probably 40 or 50 years old. He just had the best, most grounded energy I've ever seen before. And just being around him, you could feel that. And I remember that at, um, so the fourth night you go in and you go into the fourth night and it's like, it's just a little bit different. It's a very, it's more of a fun type ceremony type night because the third night's so emotional and like a lot of people were crying. A lot of people were bringing up some of the old stuff, but everybody that was there that had an experience, even the negative experiences, they came out much, much better. They were so happy they had it. They let go of sometimes 20 years of trauma and they were pretty much given a new perspective and a new level of being, right? So it's totally transformative. I just kind of went through a lot of that a lot when I had my spiritual awakening. Not that I'm better, not that I'm more involved. It's just what I went through. So mine was more of just feeling that unconditional love and learning to surrender my ego, which my ego was very powerful. So the fourth night, though, is the last night of the ceremonies. And that's an all night. You literally spend the night there until like eight in the morning, the sun comes up. And that was also an amazing night. Like it's more of a fun type night. Um, you lay there and it was just a different type vibe. It's more of a body than than the, whereas the third night's very, it can be more visual. It's more, a little more trippy. The last night's more of just a body type experience, but also more ceremonial. But I remember in the morning, there was like this healing ceremony where all the guys go up, take off their shirts, go up uh, like in groups of five or eight. And we go up and he does this healing ritual that takes like half an hour. And he does this, they do these thing with feathers. They do this thing with like something called rape, which is like this tobacco Um, it's like ceremonial and it kind of like opens up your crown chakra. You go through this little experiment and I was like so resistant to it because like I don't do do tobacco and all of this stuff, but they do this rape that they actually like shoot, uh, they shoot up your nose as weird as that sounds, but it's like this really good feeling and, um, it's a very ceremonial thing and it has some herbs in it and stuff. It's not psychedelic at all, but it opens up your crown chakra and then he goes through this healing thing and they have certain herbs and stuff that they like. They like feather on your body and stuff and he does like this energy thing and afterwards I felt high for like three days from that one experience and um, it's like this the guys go up and the girls go up separately and he does this healing and you feel amazing and I don't even know what really happened but it was like at six or seven in the morning is when the ceremony is almost over. And you just feel like a completely new person after the fourth night. You go out, the sun's coming up, you go and eat this organic. They have organic food. They have like vegan, raw vegan options. This 
this yum yum sauce. I know it sounds ridiculous. This yum yum sauce is absolutely to die for. You put it on everything. Victor and I would just eat, and we just eat one big meal a day because we do this intermittent fasting thing. But it was like the most amazing experience. And um, I remember I hugged the guy afterwards, the shaman. And I felt just so high for like three days. And it was just this new level of consciousness, this new level of awareness. And I feel like my whole vibrational set point went up an even higher notch after going to Rhythmia. So if you guys are interested, by the way, in going to Rhythmia, I am going back with Victor November 11th, 2018. And we are going back. And if you want to join us that week, let me know. You can email me at adowdy44 at yahoo.com. A-D-O-U-G-H-T-Y-4-4 at yahoo.com. Let me know because, I first off, you get a discount if you go through me. They give me like the, you know, they'll give my subscribers some type of discount. And let me know because I will also plan something for when we are there. So let me know if you decide to book. And uh, I'll have something in the show notes below as well that you can easily email or you can click on the link and just go to uh, and just click on the link and you can book through there. And if you're interested in going, it's going to be an amazing experience. Um, we're going to, me and Victor or Victor and I are going to have, uh, do something all together. I think it's going to be, we're going to have a lot of subscribers going. So it's going to be really cool to have all of us together and we're going to be able to spend time together. It's going to be really cool experience. And if you can't go that week, that's fine too. Let me know, still email me, or um, I'll still, I can still get you a discount whenever week you want to go, but let me know. It's a very transformative experience. I think it can totally transform your life if you decide to go. You get like there's colonics. I know as weird as that sounds, there's like you the detox like program type stuff where you go through that. It's all organic food. Um, there's also you get two massages when you go, two hour long massage or you get an hour long massage when you go. Uh, you get like these tokens for it. I got two because Victor didn't go, so I used his. So, haha, <laughs> I got two-hour-long massage. Amazing, amazing experience, though. But that also transformed my awareness of my vibrational set point. So, yeah, I found that to be very powerful as well. So, uh, basically, yeah, that's – I realize now there's a 10 out, or 15 out of 10 to experience, and uh, there's so much more to our vibrational state of consciousness than we were priorly aware of. And that's what I want to help people do is to raise their vibration, raise their level of consciousness, and to realize we can create from this higher point of view by being aware of where we vibrationally are right now, knowing that we give the different meanings to things that happen in life, and that as we become more aware of that meaning, that things begin to change in a very powerful way. So, yeah, this is, um, I guess this was my... It's almost at an hour now that I've been doing this podcast, and uh, this is my first solo one, my solo dolo podcast. I'm going to do my best to get people interviewed on the podcast as well, but to keep up with the weekly, I'm going to be also doing some solos every now and then. Let me know what you guys think of this. Follow me if you guys haven't already on YouTube. Make sure you guys subscribe there. Um, that's where I put daily content out. These are cool. I'm loving these podcasts. I hope you guys like them too. It's much more natural, much more casual. I feel like I get to connect with you guys in a different type way on the podcast. And even you guys get to see the people I'm around and like the interviews and stuff I'm going to be doing, I think are going to be really cool. So I hope you guys like it. If you guys like it, let me know, comment on either YouTube videos or, you know, follow me on Instagram as well. I do, uh, daily posts on Instagram. Let me know what you guys think of the podcasts and, other than that, I'm going to be doing more of these every Wednesday, a new episode. I'm going to hope it's today's Wednesday, so I'm hoping I can get this up in time. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you guys for being here, part of the Expand Your Awareness podcast. My name is Aaron Dowdy. I love you guys, and I will talk to you guys next time. Peace, much love, and namaste.